And uh, we're going to do something this morning. <clears throat> I'm going to speak to you about leaving Egypt. And last week, I, I tried to give you a historical thing or a couple weeks ago, and it was kind of a, um, uh, it just it didn't go over so well. But I want to say this. Every one of us has an Egypt that we're leaving. There's something in our past or something in our present that is contaminating everything that we do. And we think that we have victory over it, but we keep going back to it. I'm going to talk to you about something this morning that has to do with being uh, contaminated. And I'm going to have somebody come. They don't know if they're going to come yet, but I'm going to ask uh, uh, Rhonda to come up here. <laughs> she's intimidated. She didn't want to, but she's going to come anyway because I want her to share with you what the Lord spoke to her a minute ago, because I, I didn't go up and share it at that time, and instantly uh, Haley almost gave the exact same uh, information about uh, her appeal about people coming to the altar. And I'll ask you to come up. I know you don't want to. Want to ask, uh, right now, just a second. <clears throat> <clears throat> the reason I want her to do this, and the reason I want you to see this, come on up here. You may be short, but you'll make it. I want everybody to know that there is, there's, important, there's important work for all of us to do. And even though we don't want to and may be intimidated by whatever, we need to step out and begin to exercise a little bit of faith when God begins to speak to us about something. Because you never know whose life is laying, is laying on the balance. And so I want you to just share. Uh, I would like to start by saying he said if he did this, he'd wait till the end. I know, but okay? I Okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> So I was going to have this whole time to, like, think about it and no, maybe no. prepare a little bit more because I haven't been prepared long enough. Uh, oh, my gosh, really? <laughs> Any of you that know me know how big of a deal this is. Um, coming up here and talking in front of everybody is not something I want to do. But just like another few things that have happened, um, one of them being the first time that Pastor asked me to teach a class, I told God no. I was like, I can't do it. I can't. And his response was, I didn't ask if you can. I asked if you would. And that is very important because we have the choice to be obedient. And um, it's hard. And then after we're obedient, we continue to have choices. We have to continue and actively be obedient. And getting to that point is terrifying. Um, anyway, well, now I'm rambling, but... I have a point. Um, it has been a week of major adversity, and I think sometimes until you are faced with a choice, you don't really realize how much you believe what you believe. And you have to, you know, you get to a point and you have to either, you, you have to make a choice. And um, once you make that choice, it all starts to come together. It makes perfect sense. And then it's kind of like, well, why didn't I do this sooner? Because we're scared. It's fear. We all have fear. A lot of our Egypt is fear. Um, and so what God actually spoke today versus all that, um, we were doing those songs, and, you know, it kept talking about how we won't forget about the goodness that he has done and all these things. And anybody, if we've experienced that goodness, if we are living with him, we know this. Um, but I think sometimes we can stand there. And instead of believing and knowing and feeling that, we're saying, why? Why am I not feeling this? Why am I not having this same, I'm thankful for the goodness feeling that everybody else is? And the difference is, 
that we believe in God, we believe in Jesus, but we are not living with him. We are not letting his spirit lead us. We have not actively asked him to come into our heart and live for him. We believe in him, but we are not living for him. We are not living with him. And we have to trust. You have to take that step. Even if you don't feel it, even if there is all this stuff that you know that you have to leave behind, you have to take that leap of faith and trust that it's going to happen. And it's not going to happen until you make that choice, until you come up here, until you ask him and be obedient, and then make an active choice to be obedient every day after that. Awesome. There's always a choice to make. Always. There always will be a choice to make. It may be hard. It may be awkward. The timing may, may feel that the timing isn't right. But there's a choice that you have to make. The same way with this leaving Egypt. <clears throat> I'm going to say this. When we leave Egypt, we have to be extremely honest. We know what we say around here. If a person is not honest, then all you have is dishonesty. That's all you'll have. And when we want to leave Egypt, we want to leave something that's been a big part of our life. It may be a, a dark time in our life, or it may be a, a things that we don't understand or questions in our life. It's been things that our life is kind of, uh, we're kind of a product of that. When we are living that way, we live in a constant reminder of the Egypt, we still have a slave mentality. It was the reason is so many of the Egyptians that the Israelites uh, faltered so much and became so uh, uh, agitated or, or short with the Lord on certain things, and they began to follow other gods and worship other things in the middle of the desert. Is that they remembered so much about their slavery, and many times in our slavery we don't have, we don't have a lot of uh, say so. We just go through the motions. We go through the motions. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about something particular, a, a, a certain issue that we have and that we have in the church and we have in our lives. And every one of us, if you are, even if you're not a believer, every person in this room has struggled with this. I did a kind of a, a short sermon on it uh, Wednesday night. We talked about it. But I want you to go in your Bibles. If you have them, <clears throat> this is going to be the first scripture I have, but I don't think I gave it to them to put on the board. It's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> I want to go back a little bit of what I did Wednesday night. How many in here have social media? Social media. What does social media mean? You can exploit all of your family, tell everybody how great they are and how wonderful your kids are and how good they look and everything in your life is perfect. <clears throat> I was sharing the other night with, with people here on Wednesday night when we do a family picture it is never without, get back over here, stand up. Oh, you quit looking around. Right. Put your tongue in your mouth. Would you smile? It's just constantly, and finally we hope. And so Miranda, I take your camera, just put on automatic photo, whatever it means, and, and just keep taking pictures. Hopefully they'll pull some out of it. That's good. I don't know about you. Maybe your family, when you all get together, everybody sits down, and, or you go to the beach, and everybody has a white shirt on and the khaki shorts. You, you've really set up this picture right, you know, and everybody thinks that, and we're trying to portray ourselves in the best light that we can. But everybody in that picture knows the other side of the story. Everybody does. 
There is no perfect person. I didn't know this, but uh, my wife has shown me on, on uh, pictures on Facebook that these people are posting all the time on there. And I'll tell you what, man, they look awesome. They look awesome on this photo ability that they have and this picture they have. And they look, it just looks perfect. And you think, man, man, their life is, man, look, look at them. Everything is so good in their life. And they put these filters on. And they have all these blemishes are taken away. And, and uh, my wife and I have a joke, you know, <clears throat> I know I, I, you think I'm beating a dead dog. But when I had a stroke about three years ago, uh, two and a half, three years ago, um, this side of my body was affected. <clears throat> when you look at me now, I'll make you paranoid, especially if somebody here that's like Cecil. Uh, every time you look at me, when you look on this side, there's more wrinkles and things. And this side is a lot better. So I told one of them, maybe we should all have strokes on both sides and correct Okay. Uh, uh, that's terrible. One thing about it. okay. We all have to. We have to do something with keeping ourselves in check about certain things that we go through in life. I want to. I want you to stop just for a minute. How many have ever heard somebody say, "Stay in your lane, stay in your lane." Why are they saying that? Because you're getting out of your area that you don't know about. And it's the same way with us. We get out of our lane all the time because we have an opinion about everybody. And especially when we get an opinion about everybody that becomes a, to a place of, of envy that's involved, you begin to get negative toward them. You begin to get vindictive against them. You say a lot of things that you think that you know, but you don't. You think your opinion is always right. Whether you're a Christian or not, this is a valid truth that we all have a problem with being envious of each other. Envy, defined, uh, the definition of this is uh, the act of examining to see if, if something is similar or dif different. And I brought that up about social media. We look in that way, so we look at our family and we, we look at everybody else's pictures on there. We think, wow, isn't that great? Let me tell you, first of all, let me add this. Quit putting your dirty laundry out on Facebook. And don't tell everybody where you're going on Facebook. There's too much information that we, we freely give to people. We already have enough of the government eavesdropping on us. Yeah, thank you very much. Okay, so um, I'm going to be real quick because I only got about 20 minutes. And you think, oh, I'll carry you got 40 minutes. No, I, I got 20 minutes. 20 minutes. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, it says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some of them that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. If there's anything that ought to be an attribute of the church, anything that ought to be second nature, anything that needs to be major part of our life, as a Christian person, you need to have wisdom. And that means knowing when to speak, when not to. Why do we compare? If you begin to get into a, a, a ritual of, of comparison, well, look what I got and look what they have. Look what, uh, on there somebody showed me a picture of somebody had a Chevy truck from 1982. They had 2.4 or something like that million miles on it. That's a honking lot of miles. Why was they driving it? 
It wasn't because that they had to. It's because it ran. He had a a different perspective of of the purpose of a car, whether it's something to be seen in or something to get in from point A. It's easy to begin to ridicule and say things about people that we don't even know. But once you start down a slippery slope, and I want to tell you that many of us have been on this for a long time, and we get on it, it's amazing it can come back to haunt us. And And it's amazing how much damage we can do with our tongue. We know that the tongue is, is, you know, we taste with it and we stick it out of people and we whistle. And The purpose of a tongue is for tasting and talking. But it's amazing how much damage comes out of our mouth. Comparing and measuring self with others. And I thought, you know, when I was 40 years old, I began to compare myself and think about what was important and, and what wasn't and, and have, I, have I accumulated or achieved enough in life. And I began to compare myself to a lot of other people my same age. And it wasn't good because I began to get discouraged. Everybody's life takes different turns. And everybody has a different lifestyle and different goals that they want to accomplish. You've heard it said many times in, in, a, in a variety of analogies, but never have I seen on, my, on someone's tombstone, I wish I could have made a little more money. I wish I could have accomplished a few more things that had to do with materialism. It's always something about if they died alone, I guess we could say, I wish I had my family. I wish I had friends. And many people in here this morning were consumed with things that don't matter. Which matters the most is, is, is a, re, re, a relationship with the Lord. You start measuring and comparing yourself with your progress, your success, your status, your appearance, your wealth, your looks. I know that, I know that when women start getting a little age on them, and don't get mad at me, Wanda, or anybody else. But women, I want to be funny. Don't get mad at me. Uh, you watch, women will get in front of the mirror and almost a state of panic begins to fall on them. Wrinkles in places and places and things are just different now. They don't understand it. And, and I hate, I've heard my wife say many times, I do not like age. I see her, she'll, she'll comment to me. You're real mad at me? I'm going to tell her anyway. Okay. Uh, when she sees some of you young moms, you know, in your 20s, up to 30 years old or something, she looks at your skin, she goes, Man, because she always has such good skin. And she looks at him and she goes, man, Dwight, have good skin again. Now, she didn't sit around depressed and, and begin to mope around about it. And she didn't begin, listen, many people begin to put those people in a category and not liking those people anymore because they look better. How many of us, we've all been guilty of envy but how many of us have disliked people because they're better at something than us, had more than us, or look better than us? There's something about that, that mentality that we have. We get focused on the wrong things. Looks, they're wiser, they're smarter, they're built better. It may start off with comparison, but after it leads to comparison, it'll lead to measuring. You start thinking, everybody has little thoughts in your life about things you compare yourself to and someone in the same field or whatever. But when you start measuring successes and things in your life compared to other people, it begins to be a pride issue and it 
it, if it doesn't lead to pride, it can lead to resentment. And resentment is one of the worst things that can happen to a person in their life. Ch- uh, Psalms chapter 49. I've got a lot of scriptures today. Ch- Psalms chapter 49. Verse 16, be thou not afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his household increaseth. Be not afraid when one is made rich. Be not afraid. You don't know what it took in that person's life for them to get to that place. Maybe they were willing to to sacrifice a few things that you weren't, weren't, weren't willing to do. I, a man that I talked to, he's a local guy, and, and he has a brother who's very, very wealthy and, and uh, has everything uh, the world thinks is successful. His brother's a godly man, too. But this guy, he came and talked to me. He said, you know, my brother had all these aspirations about doing and, and acquiring more work and, and becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. And he said, I just didn't have the desire for that. Neither one of them were wrong. But the one who, who didn't decide to have the bigger things and work toward the bigger things cannot sit in judgment of the one who did, does. He's contented in his life, and if he ever goes out of that contentment, he's got into the problem with this in 2 Corinthians. He's beginning to compare himself, and then he begins to measure himself. See, there are two different stages there. And then he becomes miserable because everything around him, everything in his life, he begins to base his life on success or failure. And he's comparing himself to one other person. Chapter 49, I read it already, but verse 16, but be thou, not, be thou not afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. It is hard sometimes as we look at people and we look at our life. When I worked at Teen Challenge years ago and, and uh, I was making $110 a week and and uh, I've talked to about this many times, but I would pray for somebody to feel led. Lord, let somebody feel led to send me $20. Led on their heart. Led on their heart. Because I didn't have $20. I made $400 a month approximately, and I didn't have it. And I'd go to, the, I'd go to my, I'll say this, kind of embarrassing, but, but it's true. And I'd go to the, my post office box or whatever had a Teen Challenge, I'd look through there. And I look if he's had a, a letter in there. I pull it out and look at it and go, ah, just whatever. But I remember a few times there was a couple in our church named uh, Jack and Julie Rao. They couldn't send much. But I tell you what, they made not a lot more than what we made. We'd get a check in the mail for $5, maybe a check for $10. And how it always pulled my perspective and how selfish is looking for something from other people. I didn't fall into the trap of becoming self-thinking and envious when I watched them out of their necessity be given to us some of their bounty. First John chapter 3. This is what I taught on Sunday, on Wednesday night.
chapter 3, verse 12. Not as Cain, not as Cain who was, who was of the wicked one and slew his brother. Wherefore he slew him. And wherefore he slew him, question mark. Because his own works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Look at verse 13. Marvel not, my brethren, if this world hate you. There's something about Cain. We talked about it Wednesday night in detail. And, but why did he commit murder? Why, why was he so mad at, at Abel for what Abel done that he began to get bitter and enraged about his actions? He, was, he could have been mad at God, but, but he took his actions out upon somebody who done what was right. You know, John wrote this, this passage, and he wasn't writing it for the church because he was thinking that the church was going to kill each other. He was thinking about spiritual sabotage in, in everyone's life there. It's a, it's a spiritual thing that these people would get involved in whenever Cain entered into this thought process of, of, uh, of what's the word? Envy, that's the word. See, he allowed Abel's success. You know, a lot, when we read this, a lot of times we think we read it that it happened the next day. It didn't happen the next day. Stay with me. Envy takes time. Maybe it's just a little question mark about you have towards somebody. Just little. wasn't a big deal. But you begin to have doubts about a brother or a sister or, or somebody you don't know really. And you begin to uh, not care for them. You begin to be jealous. It leads to envy. This man, it ate at his soul. It ate at Cain's soul. I think that every time he woke up in the morning, his mind went to Abel. Whenever he was going to prepare for a sacrifice again, maybe he was thinking of Abel. I don't know what it was, but he felt extremely guilty. We talked about this Wednesday night. He was, it was the first real people on the planet. Adam and Eve were created, and then they had two kids named Cain and Abel. And the first one began to deal with things he had never dealt with before. He began to get embittered and full of envy. envy. It is when it enters your soul and you become angry toward the people's successes. Is John worried about him murdering people in the church? No. It wasn't a physical murder he was talking about. Talking about spiritual murder, social murder. Things that we do. When you don't like somebody, you really have a hard, hard time with somebody, envy is all, not always obvious to everyone. Now, you can watch somebody through jealous. You can watch young girls. You can watch young boys if they become jealous. If the boys have a problem with each other when you're young, what do you do as the boys? Come on, let's duke it out. Come on, right now. Cross this line. That, that's what you do. You, you fight it out. You may, you may not like each other after that, but you have respect for each other, and it doesn't continue. You have girls. Totally different. You have a, a line drawn. How much damage can I do to them with this right here? That I try to turn as many people as I can against them. It sounds kind of humorous and funny because we all know it's true. But the sad part about it, it follows us in our adulthood. Things that happen in our lives and things that we say about people and things that we manipulate and even things that we don't say but we insinuate 
or we lead people up into a, a place of knowing uh, somebody's weakness or their failures. Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 29. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty in his spirit exalteth folly. And I begin to think about this. Why, why is a person who's hasty? Because there's another word that I think goes along with the, say, with, with the hasty in this context. It's immature. When I was 10 to 12 and 13-year-old girls begin to say things about each other and insinuate things, and I watch guys, it's a different story, but it can still happen even in your adulthood. The reason the immature, reason immaturity is so obvious is because envy becomes a part of your life. You haven't grown past this thing. You're still hung up on something that happened 10 years ago, something that happened five years ago. It's time to grow up. It's time for you to get a new way of thinking, a new way of expecting. A person who, a person who doesn't give good thought in response is un, is un, to unfair issues of life. The letdowns, the disappointments, injustices. Man, you know, my wife and I, for years, uh, you may not know it because maybe some of you only know us a few years, but you don't know what we went through years ago to get to where we are today. And not that we're anything, because we're not. For five and a half months, we pastored a deaf church, and it was, a, it was an experience but it was in Illinois, if that tells you anything. And, and it, was, it was bad. And, and then we came down and went to work at a factory. And man, I, I felt, found God's favor there. And I got a job at Grinding Steel. Then I got a, they promoted me. I took me in the office. And I, I just felt like it was, it was great things happening in our life. And then I worked, went to work at Teen Challenge. And I didn't know it, but it was about preparing my mind for certain things, about having understanding, about having compassion about people. I didn't understand them before. We worked there for over three, a little over three years, and then we went to Kentucky and pastored a church over there. We went through a, 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 a what well, we pastored. Remember the church burnings that were going on in 95 and 96? It was art. It was uh, set on fire, and it was burnt to the ground, and, and we rebuilt a church. We met the Catholic church for 15 months while the church was being built, et cetera, et cetera. But we don't always know everything behind every person, but we're so quick to cast judgment and give our opinion and begin to be envious toward people that we really should be. Verse 30, a sound heart is the life of flesh. A sound heart is the life of the flesh. But envy, rottenness of the bones. And there is nothing I don't think about. We think about sickness and we think about disease. But when something eats us up from the inside out, it's terrible. It's the same way with every person that's hung up on envy. And there's somebody that you think, they may have all the blessings of life, but you think so negatively about them. And you're not having have any reservations, maybe about speaking it out. You are full of rotting bones. Let me say this too. How do we, how can, you don't need to expect yourself ever moving ahead in life until you get some things in perspective. They're not perfect because they've been blessed and because the great things have happened in their life. But there's something about somebody when they begin to move forward is that they've learned how to be faithful. 
And we get jealous of them and we get judgmental of other people, but we don't know, we're not willing to pay the price of faithfulness. Be faithful. Find yourself faithful. Envy impoverishes the life that is overcome or controlled by unrealistic thoughts. Envy impoverishes. In other words, it makes poor. It makes, it makes needy. It means that you can't have clear thoughts. You can't have clear understanding. Who are you consumed, consumed with? Go to Genesis chapter 37. This is an element that isn't new. Envy is not new. It's not. We see all throughout the scripture. We're going to, just for a second, to uh, Genesis 37 because we see it on the lives of Joseph's brothers toward Joseph. It may not seem like it, it should happen that way, but it does. And why is there envy? There was a family situation. They were just envious of Joseph because when he was born. Look in 37 verse uh, 4. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. There's two things here. They hated him in their heart because of, because of what somebody else said. What if Jacob was a little wiser on what, how he raised him? But he showed great favoritism to him, so they put resentment in their heart. Then they could speak nothing good about him. This, in turn, sent them on a course to look for ways to, to destroy him, to get rid of him. You know, may not think it's real important. I think about us as a church. We try to do things right. You may not agree with it, but we try to do things right. The book of Esther deals with envy. We have Mordecai, we have Haman. Haman desired to destroy Mordecai and all the Jews, and, and there, was, there was enmity there. There was envy there. Same with Exodus, with Miriam and Moses. Moses' sister was envious of his position. It's amazing how we think we can always, we would do things differently. And I've been guilty of it. You've been guilty of it. We begin to have a little thing in our crawl that nobody knows about. We begin to have these little feelings about somebody, the way they do things. I wish I could do it different because I would do it right. Well, you might be surprised if you were there. Cain was very resentful of, of Abel. He took his retaliation out against Abel. He destroyed his own life and destroyed Abel's too. You know one thing about, about envy, it makes separation. And you know what? Nobody likes somebody who's full of envy. Because in a situation with, situation with Cain and Abel, Cain was ostracized from his family. I don't know if he was comparing himself about, about Abel, about what the success was, but there was a lot of uh, feelings of animosity there. And because he didn't bring things under control, and, and he, the Lord told him, you know, you need to bring things. And 
I'm not going to go there. Daniel. Daniel was another one who had great opposition with people who had animosity toward him. And the last one that I got mentioned here is, is Job. Job had a lot of division. People had different opinions of, different opinions of him. And people that was jealous of him. But his number one person that was jealous in his life, listen to me. There may be a lot of things that you do in your life. If you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, there's going to be somebody always at your door pointing out all your weaknesses and all your failures. And it's Satan himself. Job's number one problem, number one nemesis in life was the envy that Satan felt toward him. He felt it. And he experienced it. The same way with you and me, we are no different than Job. We haven't proven ourselves, maybe, but when you begin to prove yourself, he's going to raise his head up. Satan always does. So, who's in your life? Who do you have a hard time dealing with? Is it a neighbor? Is it your brother? Is it your sister? Is it your wife? Is it your husband? Somebody you have animosity toward that is crippling everything else that you do because everything in your life is beginning to revolve around your hatred toward them. It may be somebody you don't know that well, but just everything about them rubs your fur backwards. It just irritates you. Can't stand. You hear him speak. You got a lot of resentment. What I do? Scripture in Romans chapter twelve. There is something you can do. Verse 14 and 15. It says, bless them which persecute you. Bless. Bless. Come on, help me out reading that. Verse 14. Bless. And curse not. Can there be both fresh water contaminated water coming out of our mouth or out of our heart the first thing that you have to do is learn how to control what you say and what's in your heart I've had ill feelings before I'm just grateful that I was able to take care of things before they consumed me you may have a brother or a sister maybe they've done terrible things to your family and it consumes you Verse 15, rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with those that weep. As a believer, if you call yourself a Christian, you say, I'm, I'm as Christ-like as I can be. I'm, I'm not perfect, I'm trying. I'm, maybe there's some errors I need to work on. Maybe this is one. I'll tell you this. This is one area that will control and it will dictate things that happen in every other area of your life. When you have envy toward a brother or a sister, it will consume you. If we begin looking at others in a way that we can learn from them, 
honestly, if there's people that you've got bad feelings toward and envy toward, look at their life. Maybe you would want to be them. Maybe, maybe there's things that you don't like about still. But you can learn from their successes. If they've been faithful, they've learned how to be faithful, pick up some of the characteristics. You will have a lot more of a prosperous life than being stuck with sour pickle juice in your mouth toward them. Are you bound with feelings of envy, jealousy? see anyone in here, and this goes for everybody, anyone can find people to compare yourself to. Someone that's prettier, someone that's richer, someone that's more knowledgeable. You can always find things to be jealous of or envious of. I've heard, I've read a lot of things the past week we're going to have about envy. And they call envy a, a one-eyed green monster. It's just nasty and it controls everybody. If you've ever been envious or jealous and it's consumed you, your family knows it too. 